0: So this month, we're going to talk about the the, the way of the worshiper. Um, So we're going to focus the month of September on this idea of worship. We just sang, which is a part of worship, but it's not the end all of worship. We ended last week with Joshua giving a choice to the nation of Israel. The verse will be on the screen behind me. It says this. And if it's evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell? And here's that phrase, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I believe Joshua here was giving a choice, but he also was giving the idea, who are you going to worship? You can choose the gods that you came from across Egypt and be in the Amorites. You, you can choose that. But your choice is going to be, okay, who are you going to worship? Brothers and sisters, this question I would like to start a sermon series out for this month is this. Who will you worship? Who you worship? Some food for thought this morning, George Barna surveyed thousands of Christian churchgoers. He asked this question, have you ever experienced God in a worship service? Only one-third said they regularly experience God when they come together and worship Sarah, uh, uh, Sally Morgenthayer says this in her book Worship Evangelism, the most significant benefit of a worship service is connecting with God. It does not matter how chatty and interesting the interviews are in a service, meaning some churches have interviews and have some nice dramatic things happening, how captivating the dramas are, how stunning the soloists, or how relevant the message, When personal interaction with God is absent, church loses its appeal. Let me ask you this question. When was the last time that you experienced God's presence in a worship service? That life-changing encounter with the living God is missing from many churches in America today. One of the greatest needs among the churches today is not new programs, not new seminars, not new messages. What is needed today is an encounter with the living God. We desperately need a life-changing, this this life-changing picture of of God's greatness, his awesomeness, his wonder, his power, his mercy, his goodness, his loving kindness, and we can, can keep going on. So this morning, I want us to answer this question. There's a few questions I want us to answer, and we may not have the answer when we leave here this morning. Why did you get up this morning and come to church? I guarantee you're going to go home today. I I was at a worship service, but who did you worship? What is worship? Well, what does it mean to worship? Well, we got to look at that word. We have different images in our mind. Probably what we just experienced in singing, as so we consider worship, sitting here listening to a message, there's probably a lot of images in our minds. But what it is, worship is declaring the worth of something. Actually, the English word in the dictionary means it's worth-ship. See, we don't worship God for us to get something out of it. We worship God because it's the honor due His name. It's recognizing His worth, His place in our church, His claim on our life. I like what what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. He says, "...or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own." For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And It's very interesting. When you look at that Greek word glorify, it means to show honor, respect. Guess what else it means? Worship. Worship. So with that being said, I want us to understand one thing, and one thing we need to be thinking about as we go through this month, understanding if we're truly understanding what worship is. Worship is not a weekly pep talk to rally the troops to get excited about God. We should already be there. Worship is not a motivational seminar to make us feel good about ourselves. Worship is not the Christian alternative to a rock concert or a symphony that we attend on Saturday nights worship happens when God's people encounter the living creator of the universe. Understand that a God who loves us and longs for us and wants a relationship with us I like what Robert Weber said. I read a lot of Robert Weber books in my time of worship. He's, a, he's, I guess you'd call it a worship guru. He wrote this in this phrase in his book, in his book, Worship Old and New. It says this, Worship does not lead to an encounter with God. It is an encounter with God. Let me say that again. Worship does not lead to an encounter with God. It is an encounter with God. When we worship God, whether here corporately or individually, we have an agenda, don't we? Think about that a minute. It's important to have an order to flow as far as the service as we are experiencing this morning. We call musicians a set list. But we need, we need to remember that God has an agenda as well, as well, and that is to meet with his people. For example, so this is, a, this is a Sunday morning set list. If you're on the worship team, you get an email every week of what is on the service. What's going to happen? You know, we went through the songs. Pastor Frank gave his announcements. I'm up speaking. Think we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. We fulfill this set list. Guess what? Many times in our minds, we've worshiped God. Is that true? But in our minds, it is. I'm going to be honest with you this morning. You know, here's some questions to ask ourselves. And I'm, I've struggled with this this week. This was convicting to me, being involved with worship for 25-some years. Played every venue you could think of, played every style of music, led many, many people in worship. And here's some questions I have to ask myself. When was the last time we encountered God in a service, truly encountered living God? When was the last time you left a place of worship, worship, speechless because of how great and glorious God is, that you just couldn't talk because you were overwhelmed of who God is? When was the last time that you were in tears, Because what you're singing, what you're hearing, realizing how great and how holy God is and how worthless you are. And you realize it's only by God's grace that I'm living and breathing. Or when was the last time you left a worship experience on cloud nine because you just were so joyful because of how God loves you and that He chose you before the foundations of the earth? I'm going to be honest with you this morning. I can't remember. See, wait a minute, you're a pastor. Brothers and sisters, worship church has become a function with an agenda to follow that equates worship in our eyes. Worry about sound, worry about this, worry about that, worry about this. And I have to answer those questions like i barely came to church to sit and be just overwhelmed of God's presence. But for many of us in America, church has become about what we experience in our services, not about who we are worshiping. So this morning we are going to be in Exodus 32 and 33. We are going to look at an example of Moses and get a clear picture of of maybe a a path that we can take as we look to encounter God when we come corporately together and meet with him. So the events of Mount Sinai were monumental in history. We see that God was creating for himself a new nation, new laws, a new way of life for the nation of Israel. The Lord himself wanted to communicate with Israel, and he did it through Moses. He longed for a relationship with them. In, give, in giving the law, he was showing how holy he is and how sinful man is. He provided that intercessor, that intercessor, that, that Moses between Israel and God, which gives a picture of what Jesus has done for us to God. Amen. So we're in just to give us a quick overview of Exodus 32, in, Exodus, in the book of Exodus, Moses ascends eight times to Mount Sinai to talk with God. Eight times in the book of Exodus. We see here in Exodus 32, this is his sixth trip up Mount Sinai. Sixth. And if you remember, he's going up Mount Sinai to get what? What's that? The law, the Ten Commandments. He comes down off the, the, the mountain with the Ten Commandments. This is what he receives on his sixth trip up Mount Sinai. He comes down the mountain. If you look at your, the title of your Bible there in that chapter, what's it say? The Golden Calf, right? So when Moses comes back down with the law in his hand, what's he see the nation of Israel doing? They are worshiping this golden calf that was made by Mr. Aaron of all the gold that they received from Egypt. And they erected this golden calf. See, they did this because there was a time lapse. Moses did not come down off that mountain. The book of Exodus tells us he was prolonged in coming down. He was up visiting God much longer than what they anticipated, the longest of his visits. And he comes down to see this happening with the nation of Israel. So we see Moses coming down, experiencing this, turning right back around in Exodus, Exodus, Exodus 33, and heading back up for his seventh ascent to Mount Sinai. And he's going up to make to make things right with God in the nation of Israel. And so that's where this passage leads us, leads us, Exodus 33, 1 through 6, just to kind of give you the back So That's where we're at. He came down off the mountain with the Ten Commandments. He sees the golden image. He goes back up because the nation of Israel has been worshiping a false idol. And he goes back up to make an accessory to God with the nation of Israel. So that's where we are at right now. Verse 1, chapter 33. The Lord said to Moses, Depart. Go up from here and you and your people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt to the land of which I swore Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your offspring, I will give it. Verse 2. I will send an angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Parasites. I said Parasites, not Parasites. Um, Hivites and the Jebusites. Verse 3. Go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. This is the land God had promised the nation. Look at, but I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. God's anger against the nation of Israel. Look at that word consume. Listen, I'm not going to go with you because I might just consume you. You think someone's pretty angry when they say those words? God is a holy God. His anger, he, through 32, chapter 32, if we go back there. He, he didn't even claim his people to be his people. You see words like he told Moses, your people, when you brought them up out of Egypt. Verse 7, these people, he wasn't, God wasn't calling them his people. He says also in verse 10, I will make you, Moses, a great nation. I'm ready to start over here because of the sin of Israel do you see where God's at right now with his people he says listen I'm gonna send an angel you're gonna get your land but you know what I'm not coming with you because I just I'm I'm ready to consume you look at verse 4 when the people heard this when they heard that God wasn't going to be with them because of their sin That word disastrous there. Because the people heard the disastrous word, that means troubling, displeasing word or news, they mourned. And understand, when we see that word mourn in our minds through our Sunday school growing up, some people are crying. No, this is weeping. This is crying. Ever seen been with someone who has been mourning and and weeping? This is what they're doing. They are lamenting because of this news. And no one put on his ornaments. Circle that word ornaments there. Now, if you're like me, I heard the word ornaments, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Who's at Christmas? Yes, that's what I did. And so you can imagine me sitting there reading this passage of Scripture, studying it, and I'm thinking, okay, did they literally, like, like Christmas ornaments, put ornaments on their garments? That's what I thought. Sorry. I just, that's my, where my mind went. But ornaments, really, some of you are wearing ornaments today. It's accessories. Okay. Bracelets, necklaces brooches, um, anklets, shawls, satchels, rings, fancy golden rings that represented the worship of Egypt. So when they would worship even God, they seen the Egyptians getting all dialed up to worship their gods. Well, Israel, the Israelites followed suit, and they put on all these ornaments. Look at verse 5. For the Lord said to Moses, say to the people, Moses, you say to the people of Israel, you are a stiff-necked people. And, of course, we understand that word is an idiom of a farm animal resisting, stiffening its neck to refuse to go into the yoke. How many of you have ever tried to put an uh, animal into a yoke? I, I knew no one was going to raise their hands on here. So, let's give a better illustration. Have you ever tried to put a dog's collar on, on a leash? How many? Yes, I have. Same idea. It's the idea that an animal with stiff neck didn't want to listen to the owner to do what he wanted to say. He's he's telling them you're stiff neck. Israel is stiff necked. They only want to do what they want to do. Look, continue on in verse 5 there. If for a single moment I should go up among you, he says it again, I would consume you. So take off your ornaments. I ever told you to put ornaments on the works. We take them off that I may know what to do with you. I was first service, uh, Mr. Baker was here, and of course he was a principal for many years, I said "The Wayne, Wayne, it'd be like a, principal, a, a, a student going to a principal, being in trouble, getting ready to get kicked out of school, or getting ready to get into some serious trouble, and I, I said, it's just like a principal saying, listen, you sit out there in the office, I've got to go in my office, i got to figure out what I'm going to do with you. That's what God's doing, listen, take, don't put your ornaments on, I've got to figure out what I'm going to do with you people. Look at verse 6. Therefore, the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments. They took all these accessories off. I want you to underline from Mount Horeb onward. That's key there. You say, really? Yes, just just bear with me a minute. From Mount Horeb onward. We're going to come back to that in a moment. Our first principle this morning, our first application this morning is this. We need to repent to God. You say, what? Well, I didn't do anything wrong. We need to repent to God for making worship something that it is not. Something that he, God, never intended it to be. We need to repent to God as a church, as an individual, for making worship about an agenda or about a set list, about an order to follow so we can feel good about ourselves and feel good about how the service went. Shame on us. I'm being, pff, this was all at me this week, believe me. Shame on us for not wanting to seek God when we walk into these doors. See this is what Israel did that verse there that phrase at the end of 6 from Mount he, Horeb onward guess what they never participated from that moment they put away the accessory they repented they turned 180 degree turn making the decision and moving forward they knew that they upsetted God and guess what they turned from their ways Repentance is important. John the Baptist and Jesus himself and their first messages in their ministries, guess what they preached? Repentance. There's times in our lives as Christians we need to repent, right? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. When we know we've done things wrong. Church, we will never encounter God in worship if we only seek to please ourselves in worship. What's that mean? All the things that you have an idea about of how you want things to go, how things should go in church, how things should be done in worship, it's all about you. And it's not about God. I believe the American church in the 21st century is like the church of Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus wrote seven letters to seven churches in Revelations 2 and 3. You get to chapter 2, he, he, he writes a letter to, F, to the church of Ephesus, and Jesus always gave some positive, hey, this is what you're doing good at. But then he says, listen, there's some things I have against you. And what was the, if you remember Ephesus, what did Jesus have against the church of Ephesus? They lost their first love. See, the church of Ephesus, history tells us, they were busy doing good things. They were not living in sin. They, they were doing <laughs> church stuff. What Jesus say? But you lost your first love. You're forgetting about why you're doing these things. I love what Paul said to the Christians in, in, in Philippi, Philippians 3.10. He says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. And may share his suffering, becoming like him in his death. When we come into a worship service, now worship is 24-7. I'm just taking the subject of corporate worship this morning. Do we come in seeking to know God more? Are we ready to confess our sin of apathy, our sin of self-centeredness in regards to our worship to a holy God? So let's continue on in our story. Verse 7 through 11, quick overview here. G- Moses now is, gets his tent of meeting. He pulls it out of the camp. And this is where the pillar of the cloud of smoke comes. That's God's presence. Look at verse 9. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent. And the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, just look at, look at this worship service. All the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. I would love to have a glimpse of that. Would you? I just really would. See the pillar of cloud go to the tent of meetings, and every one nation of Israel stand out of their tent, and when they see that, they worship. Look at verse 11. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant, who was it? Our boy Josh? Yeah, Joshua, the son of Nun. A young man would not depart from his tent. And We just went through the book of Joshua. Moses would speak to God face to face. Now, we need to understand what that means because no one could see the face of God and live. Exodus 34. So we have to go back in our biblical hermeneutics and our interpretation and look at the culture, look at the words. So face-to-face in the Hebrew means mouth-to-mouth. That does not help us at all, does it? It does. I thought CPR. Okay? So we have to dig a little bit deeper. All that saying is Moses and God had a conversation like you and I would have a conversation. Word for word, hearing each other, talking to each other, face to face, mouth to mouth, heard every word communicated. Because if we go to Exodus 34, if we were to continue studying in this book, Moses ascends for his final time to Mount Sinai, and he asks God, God I want to see your face. And what's God say? You can't see my face and live. But he allowed God to see his back. Do you remember when he came off the mountain his final time? What was his face like? Glowing, shining, that they actually had to put a veil on his face. Can you imagine having that opportunity to talk to God face to face like that? Just having a conversation? Guess what? We can. We can. He speaks to us through his word through a spirit that lives within us? How do you talk? To, how do you approach God? How do you talk to God? Like an ER doctor? Oh, I'm hit. I'm bleeding somewhere. You only go to God when there's a problem. Or do you talk to God like we get pulled over by a police officer? Kind of have everything together. Well, here's my license and registration. Here's my PBA card. I usually don't go 90 in a 40 mile an hour, but, you know, just I, I'm a pretty good citizen. I, pretty, I follow all the rules, just like the Pharisee was in Luke 18. Who stood before God as the tax collector over there and poured his heart out before God? And the Pharisee said, What? I'm not like this guy. I fast, I give my tithes. To come to God like we have it all together? Or do you talk to your talk to God like you would talk to your mother-in-law begrudgingly? I don't do that, do I? No. Good. All right. How do you talk to God? How do you approach God? Well, we should come to God because he's our friend. He's the holy God who sent his son Jesus so that we could have a relationship with him again. Church, we need to repent and ask God for forgiveness because the way we have treated him is horrible. Our worship services are about us for the most part. Number two, not only do we re- need to repent, I think what helps is this. Do we have, we need a hunger for God. Do you, do we have a hunger for God? Look at Moses, ask God, Exodus 33. I want us to look at verse 13 as we continue down through this story. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please circle this word, show me your way. Circle show, and then that I may know, circle know, know you in order to find favor in your sight. First, Moses asked, show me your way. That word show there in the original language means to find, to reveal, to make it known. So Moses was asking, I want to become more deeply and intimately acquainted with you, God. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding more strongly and clearly who you are, that I may find favor in your sight. Church, listen, Moses was not interested in, in God's ways just to desire information. He was a heart, he had a heart of worship. He longed for God. It's not that this idea, eh, just part of the team just to get benefits out. No. He wanted to be with God. He signed up for life. The chapter that he was going to walk through was going to walk him, walk him through eternity. He's in this all the way. It was his way of saying that I want to be more progressively, more intimately acquainted with you, God. He wanted to experience God every day of his life that I may know. That word know there means reveal. Moses hungered for God. Moses longed for God. Moses realized there was nothing else in the world that would compare to being with God. So let me stop for a moment. Let me ask some more questions for us. Do you realize that you can experience God's grace become a believer, saved, being a Christian, as we call it, without experiencing his presence. Think about that a minute. We have our ticket to heaven. We're going to heaven. For a whole Christian life, we've missed out on experiencing God and his goodness and his greatness because we are busy doing our own thing. We've lost our first love. You know the dates, you know the facts, you know the figures. But do you really, 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 really know the one who gave himself for you? Know him. As Paul says, I want to know you in the power of your resurrection. Our churches are filled with people like this. I believe they're believers. I believe they're saved but they really have not truly encountered, experienced, experienced God in their life in the sense of they can walk in the grace of God, understanding that He is everywhere, he is part, that, that He is part of their life in every aspect of their life, not just walking in the doors of church or not just when you open the Bible, but God is with you all the time. In church, sometimes as Christians, we miss out because we are worried about us. We're worried about what people think And we don't encounter God in worship. Ask yourself those questions. When you come into the doors of a church service, a Noah worship service, and your personal devotions, what are you looking to achieve? I can't answer this for you. I, can't, I don't have this this, solu- this, this formula and solution because it's all right here in our heart you as, as, as we ended with Joshua you choose who you're going to serve you choose who you're going to worship when you come into these doors on Sunday morning what is what's your end game here is it just to sing a couple songs say hi to friends yeah that's part of our experience but is that the end all for us I hope not I hope we come in looking, looking for God, looking to experience this, this God who saved us, who brought us together as Christians. Not only do we need to repent from being apathetic and, and repent how we treated God in our worship. Not only do we need to hunger for God. Do you want to know God? Do you want God, as Moses said, show me, show me who you are, show me God. Number three is we need to encounter God. Look what Moses says in Exodus thirty-three eighteen, 18. Please let me see your glory. That word glory there is the Hebrew word Shabbat. It means God's honor, his renown, his majesty, his weight, his visible splendor. As we, as we read in, in, in Exodus 34, Moses wanted to behold God face to face. That's how much he wanted to encounter God. you come to church, are we tired of just business as usual, just going through the motions in our worship, showing up Sunday after Sunday, worship service after worship service, and truly never really encountering God? Is that that going to be our end game for the rest of our time as we come to church and we worship? We say, was it a worship service? Yes, we did this. All the songs I liked, the pastor preached on the thing I liked, and everything was great. Did you meet with God? Did you experience God? Did you encounter God you went to worship? Well, that's what we're here to do. A lot of times God is out of the equation when it comes to coming to worship. I like when one pastor said, we needed to go from being duty-oriented to being devoted. Coming to worship, not just because ah, I gotta do it. If I don't, you know, the pastor's gonna call me, blah, blah, blah. That's not why we do things. Because you're devoted to God. You go from being ritualistic to understand it's about a relationship. And some of us, before we were saved, we were part of a a, a way of faith that was ritualistic. You do this, 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 and this, and this. Boom, we're golden. I'm good. I'm going to heaven. I'm good for the the week, right? How many of us have been in a faith like that? Yes, we know what that's all about. But guess what, church? Sometimes the Christian life can be that way. We have this list. I worship God today. Good. We're golden for the week. That's not the way to live. That's not the way we encounter God. God is bigger than that. And He longs for a relationship. Or is it just another me? I'm going to another church service. I'm going to another worship gathering. Or is it when you come, you, you leave here changed because you met with God? Whether it be through the singing, whether it be through the preaching, whether it be through the fellowship, that you realize who God is and what He has done for you. And you're leaving here like, man, God, you are great don't have a answer of what we need to do in ourselves and our heart but I have four suggestions that I'd like just to give you as we close this morning or maybe what can help us in this area of truly encountering God and worship encountering the one who gave his son for us the one who intercedes for us Why wouldn't we want to worship and meet him every week, every day, every minute? Number one, expect him, long for him in worship. Expect when You come to church, expect to meet with God. Long for him. Again, church, listen. This was probably one of the most convicting messages for me because I lived 25 years In worship, and it's just about doing stuff and leading, and and not saying we, we my heart was wrong, but I I was worried about all the agenda items to make everyone happy with the service. That makes sense. Expect him, long for him in worship. Number two, look for God's hand at work. Do you want to be where God is working? Yeah, good answer. So where God's working. I I want to be there. Yep, God's working there. What's happening? What's God doing? I want to be involved with that. I want to plug in that because God is there. Where's God working in your life? Hey, that's where I want to be. I want to be where God is, where God is working, right? Number three, listen for God's voice. Yes, we are not going to hear God's voice audibly. Moses was in a different dispensation, a different time in God's redemptive plan of history. But we have his word and we have his very Holy Spirit living within us and he speaks to us. If you hear audible voice, it is not God. So go to the doctor. No, don't do that. Listen for God's voice. What's he telling you? What's his spirit telling you? Sometimes it's putting away the distraction that we need to focus on. It's focusing on who God is. And lastly, be sensitive to God's Spirit. Be sensitive to His Spirit. If God's Spirit is moving you in a way, don't ignore it. Now, that movement's got to go in line with the Word of God. I think preaching to the choir here, we understand that. But church, as, 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 I, as I prepared this this week, I, there's a lot of things in my mind that I'm just thinking about. like how, how, do, how do I make this work personally in my life? As I come corporately together, as we sing, as we give, as we, as we worship God, our hearts have got to be right. And church, we've got to confess individually. And if we're honest with one another, you are like me. It's been about, about us, worship as. So when you come in next week, next time you come to church, you come br- gather with your brothers and sisters, I think the first thing you do when you, before you get out of your car, God, I want to meet you today. I want to encounter you today. Worship. or Show me who you are. I've had a rough week. God, I just, I just need your touch. And when that happens, when you pray that, I will guarantee you come here. God will meet you. Don't worry about the chairs. Don't worry about, man, just stop worrying about all this other stuff that we always worry about. And come and focus on the creator of this universe who saved you. And so hopefully this month we're going to learn some things we can apply to our lives and how we can better come prepared in the idea of our worship. It's not about a set list. It's not about an agenda. It's about coming before a holy God and giving him the honor that's due his name. So, if we were going to follow our old way of thinking in the area of the order of service, we would say right now we're going to transition into communion. See, I know all the buzzwords. I, I, that was my—that's what I did. You just transition. Oh, this was a nice flowing service. Everything worked good. But guess what? This whole this whole meeting, this gathering, as we call it, it's worship—the whole thing—because the focus should be Jesus. And so, as Pastor Frank says, we are going to going to. Um, observe the Lord's Supper. And as your pastors have said many times before, many times we've just tagged the Lord's Supper onto a service. Okay, okay here it is, let's get to, but it's This is all worship. This is all worship. You just think about what we did today you 've come, come this morning you, you fellowship with brothers and sisters, people who are who are blood bought sinners who, who, who are you 're going to be in heaven with someday and you, you sang songs that that proclaimed who God is and what He has done for us on the cross of Calvary. Hopefully you were encouraged by, from god 's word hopefully god 's speaking to you in, in, in your heart about what you heard, and now we 're going to observe. And remember this Jesus who came from heaven to die for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. So as Pastor Frank comes forward and we and we and we and we think about this we continue in our worship, our worship, our our thinking of, listen, we are in our minds, we are thinking how great and glorious God is and, and sending Jesus. And, and Lord, how you're protecting me, how you're watching over me. Lord, how you've given us this time in this moment in history to be warriors for you. So if you would bow your head and, and close your eyes, as you, you start preparing your heart. Confess any unknown sin that you have as you prepare to take the, the Lord's Supper.